What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. Going to do a little bit of a different Friday podcast for you. Going to be joined by Kyle Posey of the Shannon Plan podcast and Niners Nation. What's up, Kyle? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I think this is going to be fun. Have you had your Thanksgiving leftovers yet? I have not. I haven't ate all day today. Uh, and what? We had, yeah, I know. It, it doesn't make much sense, but I'll get there after this. We we did a, we kind of changed it up for our Thanksgiving. We had a Mexican Thanksgiving. So um, we did the whole pork carnitas, beef enchiladas, red sauce, chicken enchiladas, green sauce, taquitos, Mexican corn salad. We did all that. It was really good, though. It was fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, <was> really great. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to, I mean, when you're done with this, I know what you're going to be doing. Like you cannot waste any more time. That's insane. And so we want to break down the Rams game coming up this week. Obviously the Niners are on a bye. So we thought we'd go into enemy territory a little bit. We're going to welcome in Sosa Kremengis from Pro Football Focus, as well as the Locked On Rams podcast. What's up, Sosa? How's it going, gents? I'm happy to be here. Did you eat your Thanksgiving leftovers yet? You know, I didn't actually even get to have the first round as I do live in Canada and our Thanksgiving passed in uh, early October. So I got my Thanksgiving fix in, you know, about a month and a half ago. I was a little bit jealous looking at the uh, Twitter timeline yesterday, but, uh, you know, we managed. So uh, we're still here. That is a legit reason. Unlike (laughs) Kyle, who I don't know. I just you're just irresponsible, Kyle. That's fine. Um, okay, let me start with this first question because this is something that Kyle and Akash brought up on their podcast and it kind of deflated me a little bit. And their basic point was that it's not going to be like it was in week six when the 49ers had an incredible game plan and basically ran everything out of the backfield or on jet sweeps. It was just, it was a master stroke by Kyle Shanahan. So let me ask you, so, so why won't it be like that in this game? Yeah, you know, I think half of the issue is that we don't know who's going to go, right? It's, um, you look back in that week six game, like you mentioned, and even just based on the box score stats, you know, all the biggest players for the 49ers might not be available in this one. You see Jimmy Garoppolo had a very good game, uh, you know, albeit it was a very uh, fixed game plan in terms of a lot of short passes, a lot of dink and dunks, a lot of jet sweeps, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but he doesn't sound like he's going to go. George Kittle scored that long touchdown on the fourth down. He's probably not going to go. Uh, you look at Debo Samuel, who had his best game, you know, against the Rams in that contest and was just breaking tackles left, right and center on all that, you know, pre-designed kind of stuff on offense. And uh, he might not go. And if he does, you know, what kind of role is he going to play? How healthy is he? Uh, and I think the Rams are just kind of hitting their stride at this point. So, you know, I look back at that week six game. I don't know how different of a team they are necessarily, but I feel like, you know, they're starting to build that confidence coming off back to back wins against two very good teams in the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. And I think that, you know, the defense is playing better. So I, I expect the front seven to continue to be stout against the run. And I think that's going to definitely be a little bit of an adjustment for the 49ers when it comes to their running game. So my question to you is, what do we expect to see from the Rams secondary? Because Staley, Brandon Staley, defense coordinator, seems like he's doing a really good job of just moving Ramsey around, getting him in the slot. And based on what the 49ers did last time that these two teams played, it would make sense to keep Ramsey, you know, around the line of scrimmage. Do you think we see that? Do you think we see a more aggressive game plan from the Rams? Or how do you how do they attack the 49ers on offense? Yeah, I'm curious to see how they do it too. You know, uh, I feel like the versatility that they have on the back end allows them to do a lot of different things. Like you mentioned, you know, beginning in the season, uh, Jalen Ramsey was playing preliminarily outside. And then, uh, you know, a few weeks in, they started to kind of move him into that nickel spot, which they called star position. And he was playing a lot there. 
Uh, and then, you know, in the recent weeks against DK Metcalf and, you know, Mike Evans of the Buccaneers, he was essentially shadowing them for 80% of that contest, if not more. So uh, they've clearly shown the ability to, you know, be versatile in that back end and kind of change up depending on the matchups that they like. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jalen Ramsey kind of follow Debo Samuel around for a little bit. I think uh, when it comes to his physicality, probably the best player in that secondary for the Rams when it comes to being physical and kind of getting down and dirty is Ramsey. And he's a guy who can kind of match that physicality of Samuel. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him follow him around a little bit. But, you know, I do think they're going to end up just kind of playing sides as they typically do with Jalen Ramsey on the outside and Darius Williams on the opposite side and Troy Hill on the inside. But like you mentioned, yeah, they, they can uh, definitely change it around a bit. And I think Jalen Ramsey is going to probably move around a bit for a bit. And I want to follow up on that. So as an outsider, how do people feel when they look at Debo Samuel, when they look at Brandon Ayuk? Who do you think is the 49ers you know, top threat? Who do they have to take away? Assuming, let's say going into this game, assuming that you know Samuel will be a full go. Yeah, for me, I think it's got to be Debo Samuel. I mean, I look at him as a relatively complete receiver a guy who can do a lot of different things uh he's obviously str- he, i mean he's a running back with the ball in his hands the guy's got tackle breaking ability for days he's a yards after the catch threat, which you know Ayuk is too um but i just kind of lean in terms of the more veteran status of a guy like samuel obviously he's only in his second year but uh you look back to, to that first game and uh samuel was killing the rams right he, he had his best game of the season um and he looked you know poised to make a big run against the rams and you know, they can be bad tacklers at times now. Uh, you know, certain times they can be good tacklers. It's kind of iffy here and there. It feels like a different kind of result every week. But uh, with that being said, I think it's got to be Samuel. I just look at his ability to create yardage after contact. Uh, I think he's pretty much a complete receiver. Now, he's not going to do a lot of downfield work, I guess. But uh, when it comes to the game plan that I think they're going to muster up for a guy like Nick Mullins, anyways, it's going to be a lot of short yardage, a lot of uh, jet motion, a lot of kind of stuff like that, a lot of motions. And, uh, I expect, you know, Samuel to be a relatively big part of that. And so I would say Samuel is probably the biggest threat. Now, I know in week six, everybody made a big deal about Aaron Donald, how he didn't have a huge game, obviously, because of the game plan that the 49ers had. But there's nothing Aaron Donald can do if the 49ers are running jet sweeps and drop passes all the time. Um, You would think that San Francisco would try to do some of that again. What do you think the Rams do with Aaron Donald to try and get him more involved? I think, you know, okay, so the Rams aren't going to have starting inside linebacker Micah Kaiser in this game. He was just placed on injured reserve, so he's going to be out for at least three games. And then I look back to the game that he missed earlier this season, and his backup, Troy Reader, was a guy who the Rams brought a lot on the blitz in that contest. He actually had three sacks in that game. And so that's something that I think Brandon Staley has been doing just such a good job of this season is that he's willing to bring guys, you know, five guys, six guys at a time when it comes to the blitz. And I think he's done a really good job of just getting kind of a hat on a hat across the line of scrimmage, meaning, you know, getting everyone up there a one-on-one, uh, you know, advantage. And so getting Aaron Donald as many one-on-ones as you can is obviously going to be hugely advantageous for his ability to win. And not only that, but, you know, let other guys win because a lot of other guys are going to get much easier opportunities against running backs, against tight ends, things like that. So uh, I expect Aaron Donald to kind of come out pissed in this one. I don't know if you guys heard. Uh, but just recently he was talking about, you know, they got a little extra motivation in this one. He's a little bit angry that he hasn't been getting many holding calls and stuff like that. So uh, an angry Aaron Donald is usually pretty dangerous. Now, uh, I would hope that Kyle Shanahan probably has some ideas in the back of his head to neutralize Aaron Donald. I feel like he's done a pretty good job of that, especially in that first game. And, you know, like you said, I expect a lot of stuff 
to try and neutralize that going east and west as opposed as opposed to north and south. A lot of quick stuff, uh, a lot of three step dropbacks, stuff like that. So, you know, you don't want to let Aaron Donald ruin the game plan. I think that's probably the easiest way for the 49ers to get off track offensively is to kind of not play their game and let Aaron Donald to, you know, just wreck shop. We've seen it before against the 49ers when he's had games with three sacks and stuff like that. So. You can try to neutralize Donald all you want to, but I don't care what any stat shows, man. He's just a game wrecker. And, I mean, it, he's the type of player that once he makes a play, things tend to spiral out of control for the offense. It's unreal how that always seems to be the case. And one of the biggest differences in this game compared to the last time these two teams played, Daniel Brunskill was a starting right guard. Now he's playing center because the 49ers lost their fifth, sixth-string center, whatever it is now. So now – their rookie fifth rounder, Colton McKivitz, and a journeyman, Tom Compton, who was not good enough to play for the Jets, is <laughs> that's who's starting at right guard. And they're actually rotating. So Donald will have his opportunity to go against two players who are even uh, lesser talents than Daniel Brunskill. So that'll be something to, to keep an eye on as well. And I, I agree. I, I imagine it's going to be more of an east and west, um, maybe even like one step drop to get the ball out of Mullen's hand. So there's just no chance that he has a an opportunity to, you know, turn the ball over or just make a poor decision. So that'll be that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. I have to say, I need to give Brandon Staley a little credit because I had some doubts about what the Rams were going to be on defense without Wade Phillips. Like Wade Phillips is still one of the best defensive coordinators out there. And to be able to make the switch with no offseason, no training camp, really, and to come in and play as well as the Rams have, you have to be impressed with Brandon Staley. Yeah, I don't think you can give him enough credit. You know, getting rid of a guy like Wade Phillips, who is a legend in every way, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, he should be at least, um, was risky. You know, it was a risky move. It was a questionable one for sure. You know, Brandon Staley's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL or at any level, I don't believe. So, uh, you know, he was only, I guess only, a uh, linebacker's coach under Vic Fangio. And that's kind of the system that he's brought to the Rams, playing that primary cover four cover six base defense um and the rams have been you know impressive on defense you you look at his ability to scheme players into the best positions possible uh you look at his ability to scheme a pass rush when the rams don't really have that much talent when it comes to the edge position he's got guys like jalen ramsey and darius williams playing the arguably the best ball of their career and he's made a team that you know a lot of people question on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the ability and the talent that they had specifically at inside linebacker and edge, you know, performed very well. Arguably, they're the best defense in football right now. So uh, I think, you know, there's not enough credit that you can give him. And, you know, he's exceeded every expectation for, you know, for me and I think for everyone in the fan base and everyone in the media probably. So how is the Rams on just in the red zone, Ben? Because looking at some of their numbers, they are allowing 62% of drives in the red zone to end in touchdowns, and that's 15, so middle of the pack. And there aren't many blemishes on this defense, but that that might be one. Whereas the 49ers on offense, they are giving up or they are scoring on 66% of their drives, which is 10th, and that probably just speaks more to Kyle Shanahan's brilliance considering all of the injuries that they've suffered. But is that an area where the 49ers could have some success? Or like when you look at this matchup, 49ers offense against the Rams defense where is one one area where you feel like the 49ers have you know the advantage yeah I think probably the weakest part of the Rams defense when it comes to you know just their personnel even I I look at the middle of the field there I look at you know the linebackers getting those guys out in space uh, throwing the ball to running backs trying to get them out in space against 
one-on-one and backups even now in Troy Reader and stuff like that. So uh, if there's one area that I would attack, you know, I'm looking at nickel cornerback Troy Hill, or, you know, he might play on the boundary here and there, but I'm looking at Troy Hill. He's the weak spot in the secondary. I'm looking at the middle of the field, it, just in terms of the linebackers. And I'm trying to, you know, send guys in motion. I'm trying to send tight ends in motion. I'm trying to send running backs out, you know, out wide and, and get a guy like, you know, Raheem Mostert or a, a Jarrett McKinnon and get him on a guy like Troy Reader, because those are guys that aren't very athletic in terms of, you know, they're relative to their peers, not relative to me. Um, you know, they're they're not that athletic. They're not that great in coverage. They've been seeding a lot of first downs when it comes to, you know, their numbers. And I think that's arguably another area for the 49ers to look in the red zone as well. You know, look for the tight ends. Uh, I guess there's going to be no George Kittle in this one, but, you know, Jordan Reed is a pretty good guy. Uh, you look at the running backs there. I think you want to run the ball down there as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking at the middle of the field. I think that's probably the most vulnerable spot for the Rams defense. Okay. Well, Kyle, when I hear that, that's music to my ears, right? Cause you know, if there's one area of the field that Kyle Shanahan likes to live, it's the middle of the field. So that's, that's gotta be good news for us. Right, Kyle? Yeah, you would think so. Just because he does a really good job, you know, just messing with the other defenses. I discipline and with all that motion, pre-stamp motion that we talked about. And, you know, with a guy like that I'm interested in is like Richie James. So if you remember against the Packers game, he, he was running those same routes and he was getting open and with inexperience on the Rams second level, like that would be an opportunity to exploit. And Jordan Reed, he's, he, he doesn't have that second gear that he once had, but he's still really good in short, just short areas. He can get open and he can really make a difference, you know, in that eight to 10, eight to 12 yard area of the field. So I really do think that that middle of the field can be a spot where San Francisco can take advantage. The issue is if Mullen stares down a target and whoever, you know, if. whether it, yeah, right, right, right. If the Rams safeties, you know, they're eyeing him and they're able to undercut those throws. So that, that would be something that I would keep an eye on because uh, from, from what I've seen, they are aggressive. Can you, can you speak a little bit about that? The Rams safeties and whether they're aggressive or, you know, they're, they're taking these chances. Yeah. Like you mentioned, they are aggressive and they're a very talented unit now. They've suffered, you know, a few injuries into that unit. You you look at guys like John Johnson, who's going to start at one spot, uh, sixth round rookie Jordan Fuller, who's coming off a two interception game, starting opposite of him. Uh, and then the Rams lost two really talented players in second year Taylor Rapp, uh, who's now on injured reserve, as well as third round rookie Terrell Burgess, who's also on injured reserve. So uh, you look at the starting duo though of Johnson and Fuller, and that's who the Rams came into the season with starting, and that's who's starting now. Uh, Fuller had a little bit of injury issues, you know, earlier on in this season, but very talented players, very aggressive. Like you mentioned, uh, I think they're very interchangeable when it comes to their ability. I think they could play in, you know, two high looks. I think they could play in single high looks. Uh, both guys are very physical. They can come down and play that like pseudo linebacker kind of look. And like you mentioned, you know, I think the Rams are going to be wise when it comes to scheming it, uh, their matchups on the defensive side of the ball. I know uh, that they're probably going to look at the tight ends of the 49ers as arguably the biggest threat in the passing game. And so I think they're going to let a lot of safety, you know, cover these kind of uh, tight ends when it comes to a guy like Jordan Reed. I don't think they're going to want to see, you know, a Troy Reader trying to cover a Jordan Reed. So I, I expect a lot of John Johnson man-on-man coverage against tight ends and even some Jordan Fuller. But like you mentioned, man, these guys are they're playmakers. You know, they can do a little bit of everything. Uh, they're very talented. They're arguably the best unit on the team, the deepest unit, arguably. Uh, and they've been playing very well this season, and, and they clearly have – you know, some very good chemistry building and some very good communication between them. 
Yeah, I think that secondary has really allowed the Rams to just do so much on defense. If you just look at some of their numbers, advanced stats, whatever you want to call them, the Rams are essentially one of the best teams in every statistical category. So they're second in EPA per play. They are third in success rate, second in drop back EPA per play, second in <laughs> drop back success rate. And then against the run, they're in the top 10 in rushing EPA. They're eighth. And then their rushing success rate is six. So, I mean, they fly around. They're really good. I just really, I, I imagine uh, having Raheem Mostert back in the lineup will just do wonders for the 49ers rushing offense because their offensive line hasn't blocked well at all. And even when Kittle and even Juszczyk, who, you know, all pro players, they, they, they weren't blocking very well. But Mostert is a guy that is able to kind of, you know, run through tackles and turn in negative two-yard gains or two-yard gains to six-yard gains. So uh, that will allow Mullins to not have to shoulder the load but let's let's talk about the other side of the ball where Jared Goff picked up a QB win on Monday night and if you just watch you know some of that second half he's throwing interceptions he missed that slant where you know that probably ices the game let's talk about Goff because he is going to be compared to Jimmy Garoppolo as long as he's on the roster first off if you had to pick a quarterback to win a game for you who are you taking Goff or Jimmy G you know, I'd probably go with Jared Goff. I just think he's got more natural talent than a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo does. Uh, you know, there's a reason he went first overall and all that. But, uh, you know, he does have limitations for sure. I think we haven't really learned anything new about Jared Goff in this season. I think if, if you've paid attention to Jared Goff from, you know, 2018 to 2019 to now, it's been the same guy. You know, he's a guy who's not going to be good out of structure uh, he can struggle mightily against a blitz. I mean, he's a completely different quarterback with a clean pocket versus when he's got, you know, pressure bearing down on him, which, you know, probably most guys are. But when you look at his lack of mobility, his lack of creativity, uh, his lack of, you know, playmaking ability outside of the pocket, I mean, it's just a different world when he when he's getting bared down on in terms of pressure. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who can get in a rhythm. And when he gets in a rhythm, he can look, you know, like a borderline elite quarterback almost. He's very accurate at times. Uh, he can make good decisions. And I think that's part of the allure of a guy like Sean McVay is that, you know, he's going to scheme a lot of open guys for him. And, and the more separation that, you know, Cooper Cup and White uh, and Robert Woods can create and the more uh, advantageous situations that Sean McVay can put him in, the better he's going to look. And, you know, for the most part, they've done a really good job at doing that and kind of getting back to that 2018 version of the offense as opposed to the 2019 one. And I think, you know, it's made all the difference for the offense, specifically when you look at, uh, different positions like the offensive line. They're probably not as talented as certain offensive lines are, but that's why the Rams aren't going to allow Jared Goff to drop back and, and take seven-step dropbacks and hold the ball long, and they don't throw the ball deep. So, you know, it's a lot of short stuff, similar to the 49ers, probably even when they had Jared, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It's very similar, I think. So uh, I would probably go with Jared Goff, but, you know, I, it depends. It depends, I guess, on what, what kind of game plan you got going for these guys. I just think Jared Goff's probably a little bit more talented than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. In most cases, I feel like there's no wrong an or there's no wrong answer. In this case, I'm not sure that there's a right answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob, go ahead. Um, God, I and mean, everything you just said sounded exactly like Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. It was, it was basically if you just switched the first word of your answer and changed the name, you could leave the rest of it the same. Um, when I think of Sean McVay's offense, though, I think of a running offense and a run first offense. I know he does a lot of creative things in the passing game, but to me, it, it starts with the ground game. But then I look against Tampa Bay and I see Jared Goff through 51 passes. Like, has that been the been the case this year? That there's still a running offense, or do you think there's been a shift in the offense since Gurley's been gone? 
Yeah, you know, if you look back to the Miami game, you might be even more shocked. I, I think if I remember correctly, he threw 63 passes in that game. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think they are still primarily a run first offense. Now, what does that mean in 2020? I don't know. No team is really going to run the ball more than they pass in these days, right? But uh, I do think that in terms of how they scheme their offense and what they do, everything still does scheme and stem from the running game, right? It's going to be that outside zone-based running game, very similar to uh, or, um, Kyle Shanahan. It's going to be very similar to what the 49ers do. A lot of motion, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of bunches on the outside. Uh, but I do think they are still, you know, a run, run-based run offense. I think that's when the offense is at its best is when they can kind of stay ahead of the chains by way of the running game and then, you know, let Jared Goff use that play action uh, fake to ha- have easier throws, allow guys, you know, more separation from the outside in terms of the receivers. And that's when the offense is definitely clicking at its best. Now, in terms of the Buccaneers game, I think they just saw arguably the best run defense in the NFL against the Buccaneers. And so they had a different plan for the matchups that they like, which I totally agreed with. And they elected to throw the ball. And so that was probably pretty wise of them. But then there are games where, you know, it's confusing where they go against the Miami Dolphins who are pretty bad against, you know, running games. And that's pretty much by every metric when you look at it. And then they throw the ball 63 times. So it can kind of get confusing there. Uh, but I do think they're still first uh, a run-based offense. So the Bucks are, I mean, I think we would all agree that they are the best run defense in the NFL, and that's even without Vita Vea. So that, that was pretty impressive what they were able to do. Um, second in the NFL in rushing EPA are the 49ers. So I imagine we will see, you know, a, a similar game plan where the 49ers, Robert Sala is just going to do everything he can to take the ball or to basically put the ball in Goff's hands and make him carve up. Like, so he did a good job for the most part. I mean, he missed some throws, as I mentioned, but he made the throws when he had to make. And I think when we talk about the Rams offense and just NFL receivers in general, we always overlook guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, who I think if we're talking duos, man, they have to be they have to be in the top 10. Like we have to talk about those guys. And we saw Cup on Monday night be able to win every level, man. And he, he seems like he does this every game where he's just kind of a nuisance, kind of a pain for defenses. You just talk about what how good are those two and what do you expect them to do against the 49ers defense who you know they're going to have Mosley they're going to have Verrett and Sherman Richard Sherman is has been practicing all week so he's expected to be back as well yeah you know they they might be the most underrated duo in football I think when you kind of look at all the big names and all the flashy plays that a lot of guys around the league are making you see even the Rams game on Monday night you know Chris Godwin's basically posterizing a corner for a touchdown you got uh, Mike Evans like fighting through three tackles so all these flashy plays and you're not really going to get that out of Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup it's going to be a lot of I don't know if you want to call it boring but just vanilla kind of stuff you know they're going to line up in bunch sets like I said get easy releases for the most part uh, but they get open they get open and they create yardage after the catch that's probably the most important part of their game and really of the offense I think is that the Rams have been in the top five in yards after the catch I think probably for two or three seasons now with these guys headlining the way. Uh, now, you know, they do lack some ability to go deep and vertical. They don't really have a speed receiver to take the top off the defense or the offensive line, I think, to probably hold up that long. So, you know, there is some areas lacking there. But with that being said, uh, when you need dependable guys with strong hands, guys who can motion in, you know, tight to the tackles and get down and dirty in the running game, that's exactly what Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are. And that's why they're fan favorites. The Niners have won three straight against the Rams. Do you think there's a little kind of, I don't know, urgency, sense of urgency to kind of get off to a fast start and kind of avoid the, oh God, here we go again? 
You know, I do. I, I do believe that uh, if they start slow, I could see the fan base uh, reacting not very good to that. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, the 49ers have had a lot of success against the Rams recently. I feel like Robert Sala has done a really, really good job at limiting, you know, Sean McVay and kind of exposing the weak parts of the offense when it comes to, like Kyle said, putting the ball in Jared Goff's hands. You don't want anyone else to really have it. You want Jared Goff to put it on his back and kind of force him to, you know, make plays and win the game. Um, and that's kind of been an issue for the Rams is that, you know, you can tell just how conservative of a play caller Sean McVay is at times. It'll be, you know, like a third and long or like Kyle said, you know, when they get in the red zone, even they'll essentially throw, you know, a screen on third and 10 and fans will wonder, why is he throwing the screen? It's not going to convert. And that's kind of the point, right? Is that they're trying to keep Jared Goff out of his own way uh, by way of, you know, forcing the ball and trying to work too hard to make a play and then, you know, getting stripped or throwing an interception or something like that. So, um, you know, I look at just how bad the Rams have been against the 49ers recently. I think it's very important to get out quickly, uh, but I do expect the Rams to have a different level of urgency. Like we were talking about before we started is that the Rams, I don't want to say they're desperate, you know, they're seven and three, they're, they're in a good spot, but this game means a lot to them and splitting this divisional win here going one-on-one against the 49ers is important because they still got to play and travel to Seattle late in December. They still got to play the Cardinals twice. Uh, and you know, they're a team looking to get back into the playoffs. So this is a very important game for them. And I expect them to come out with a, you know, a, a sense of urgency, like you mentioned. Just as an aside, cause you brought it up. And so I have to ask you like when it's third and eight at the end of the game against the Bucks, and he runs the ball, like not even like a crazy running play, just like a standard running play. Like I would have lost my mind as a fan. What are you thinking when he does that? I mean, I mean, I'm I'm used to it by this point, right? Is like I mentioned, Sean McVay, as much of the young, you know, handsome play caller, offensive genius that everyone wants him to be, and that's what he is. He's very conservative. Now, I don't know if that's just by way of his philosophy or if you know he just knows the limitations of his personnel. Uh, but he's very conservative, and a lot of fans were very angry at that. Uh, and I get that. And, you know, I, I think there was a level of concern because I don't know if you guys know, but that was the first game that the Rams had Matt Gay kicking the football. I mean, he was literally signed like three days before that game. So that's a lot of pressure. That game. Yeah. And he missed a 44 yarder. So that's a lot of pressure on a guy, you know, who hasn't really kicked in like two years and played for the Buccaneers last in his NFL career. And, uh, you know, so I can get that aspect of it. But like I mentioned, you know, I'm just used to it at this point. Uh, and at some point I, you know, I understand where he's coming from because I've seen Jared Goff hold that ball a little bit too long. Sometimes you've seen him throw two interceptions in that game. One of which I don't think was his fault, but one of which was bad. And they, you know, kept the bucks around by way of bad mistakes. So I, I understand what, uh, he was looking at there. Let's talk about the four, the trenches here. So the Rams have been changing their offensive lineup due to injuries, much like the 49ers. So Andrew Woodworth gone. That moves no bloom to left tackle, right? Yeah. And then so you go no bloom, and then David Edwards, Rob Havenstein, or, or Rob Havenstein's right tackle, and then uh, what Corbett at right tackle or right guard, right? So mm-hmm. this it seems like these are all guys that, and I I imagine this has a lot to do with what McVay does scheme wise as well, just trying to get it out quick. So he doesn't have to expose his offensive lineman. But how, how have they played? And do you think they are, you know, because the 49ers pass rush has been non-existent all season. Do you think that will cause McVay to be able to dial up more shots down the field or just play action shots in general? And, and when I say down the field, his his bread and butter seems to be, you know, that 15 to 20 yard um, over route. 
Yeah, coming into the season, you know, I was highly concerned about the offensive line. I thought uh, they were probably going to be the Achilles heel for this team. And, you know, <laughs> it's unfortunate that now the Rams lose Whitworth, like you mentioned, who is playing at an elite level. And the guy's almost 40 years old, which is pretty crazy. So, uh, like you mentioned, yeah, Joe Nopum comes back. He just got off IR and he was thrown right into the fire in that first game. So, uh, that was his first start at left tackle last week in his NFL career. And, you know, the Rams are kind of jumbled on that offensive line, but they did pretty well in that game. And like you mentioned before, I mean, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers front is pretty good. So that was, you know, the early returns were very positive there. Uh, but when you look, you know, projecting forward, I don't know how they're going to perform together. I think they'll be solid. Uh, they've been very good this season. I think they've had a big rebound season compared to that 2019 team where they struggled, you know, mightily. And I think that kind of, hamstrung the entire offense uh so i do think that they've played very well this season now i think maybe the biggest area where they might struggle is the running game because andrew whitworth was an amazing run blocker and joe nopum i mean no disrespect to him but he's very subpar uh run blocker now you know he did start the season at left guard and that is not his natural position and we've seen him struggle because of it i think he's probably a much better fit at left tackle which probably isn't the case for most guys you know tackle is probably a little bit harder than guard but he's a finesse style player. He's he's a lot uh, quicker than he is strong. So I think he fits much better at left tackle. And like you mentioned, you know, if there's a lack of a pass rush, I think Sean McVay kind of might, you know, loosen the reins there a little bit and kind of run that play action game a little bit more often. Move Jared Goff's launch points, a little bit of boot uh, bootleg action, that kind of stuff. And, and look for that sweet 10 to 15 yard, you know, sweet spot where they like to attack mostly. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest differences, especially for the Rams on third down is, so if you look at Tampa Bay, I, I believe they had 15 third downs, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, where uh, 12 or 13 of those came in like third or five or less, which is unreal. And I think that just speaks to McVay as a play caller, where the reason it, he's running the ball short or running ball in early downs and dinking and dunking is that way he gets golf in a favorable situation on third down you, you kind of open up the playbook so that I mean that makes your job as a quarterback that much more easier so one thing that the 49ers have to do like have to have to do is stop the Rams on early downs because on the season they have converted 46 percent of their third downs which is sixth in the NFL and I mean it, it just falls in line with what we've seen all season pretty much in there they, they do a good job of staying ahead of the chains uh, go ahead Rob um, I was just going to ask, you sort of pinpointed Debo Samuel on offense for the Niners as, you know, the guy that you want to stop and slow down. Is there somebody on the Niners defense that worries you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I look at that secondary. I look at Fred Warner uh, on that second level. I mean, he's just incredible, right? He's he's just a problem. I, he can he can get up in the face of the run. He's physical. Uh, he's got incredible sideline to sideline speed, the range there. Uh, and that worries me, man, because in that first game, I, I still got visions of him just flipping his hips and ripping it to the sidelines, just making tackles off tackle in the running game. Uh, he's obviously going to be a big piece when it comes to, you know, controlling the middle of the field against the Rams tight ends. And, you know, where Cooper Cup is going to work a lot. Robert Woods going to get a lot of touches in the middle of the field there. So Fred Warner is probably number one. But, you know, I look at that secondary. They're very talented, too. You, I, I, I believe they, they should have Kwan Williams back after that, you know, that weird suspension whole thing. Uh, Richard Sherman, obviously, if he comes back, that guy's an elite player too. So, uh, I think probably Fred Warner is the number one worry when it comes to the Rams, uh, offense. Yeah. Warner's unreal. So K1 Williams, he, he, he's suffering from a high ankle sprain, so he's, he's still going to miss, but I, I do wonder though, with Sherman coming back, will they sit Mosley or will they just put Mosley into the slot 
or Jamar Taylor, who, who has been fine. I mean, he's been up and down, but they don't really ask their nickel cornerback to do much. I mean, he gets free runs at the quarterback off the edge, and all you have to do is make a tackle and then be able to cover underneath, which Taylor seemed to do a good job of that the last time these two teams played. So the spread in this one is six and a half. Rams obviously giving the points. I I go back and forth because there are so many times this year where I don't expect the 49ers to to hang tough, and they do for a really long time, and they 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 make you think that they might actually win the game. They usually don't end up doing that, but I look at it six and a half, and I think maybe I, I kind of lean 49ers with the points. I still think the Rams are going to win. Is it crazy to think that the Niners can keep it that close? I don't think it is. No, I, uh, you know, I, I made a prediction earlier this week. Uh, so, you know, my prediction does cover the points for the Rams. Now, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they don't necessarily cover, you know, I think it's going to be a low scoring game, a lot of physicality, uh, much of the same that we've seen from these two teams, at least earlier in this season too. Uh, but I do think the Rams, you know, when I look at a guy like Nick Mullins, I just expect him to to make that crucial mistake at some point, you know, I'm just waiting for when it comes, not if it's going to come. And, you know, the Rams got some very instinctive and advantageous players on that secondary and really on the defense. And I think that is probably going to be the difference. I think it, it'll be a close game, but uh, I do expect that defense to make a big play at some point. And I think that's going to really flip the tables uh, when it comes to, you know, covering that, that spread. And I think that they should be able to cover the spread, but I, you know, I wouldn't call you insane if, if you did pick the uh, 49ers to not, you know, give up at least seven there. Yeah, you are not the only one who is almost waiting for that Nick Mullen <laughs> yes. turnover because it seems like it's it's inevitable. You know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. And and you can kind of see that with the way Kyle calls the plays as well. But, I mean, on defense, man, they they have so many good players. And even with the amount of talent that's coming back on offense where, like, seven seems like a lot. And, I mean, they're not – I don't imagine the 49ers will win – it will take, you know, a clean game from Mullins and, and they're going to have to have some breaks go their way. seems like every game over the last couple, they're, they're just not taking advantage of the opportunities they're get, they're getting. And then as we saw in the Saints game before the bye week, you know, the two must fumbles, like those are always the, the plays that seem to happen for San Francisco, especially this year. Um, but again, like Fred Warner, as you mentioned, one of the best, like Sports Info, uh, Sports Info Solutions has this kind of a, a defensive run save like baseball has. And Fred Warner is in the top five in that stat. I mean, he's averaging like he's allowing like 3.9 yards per cover um, per when he's in coverage. Just you name it, man. He's he's in the top of the top of the league amongst these these different stats that are going around. But Jason Brett is also playing very well as well. So I, I do wonder if the 49ers secondary is going to be squatting on those routes, knowing that. The Rams are going to run these underneath routes. I do think a guy that we have not talked about, Van Jefferson, a rookie that I really liked coming out, man. He he's tough in the red zone, especially. And I think he has gives the Rams that big body. So is is he their their guy in the red zone, or is that is what we saw against Tampa Bay? Was that just kind of a one-off? That was kind of a one-off, but you know what? They said uh going into the bye week and kind of coming out that they had plans to, you know, increase the workloads for guys like Cam Akers and Van Jefferson, who were their first or their second round picks, uh, their first picks in the draft. So, you know, I would expect to see a little bit more of guys like Van Jefferson and Cam Akers. And like you mentioned, specifically Jefferson, you know, that's his sweet spot is that five to 10 yard range. He's got sick feet. I mean, he's so good at releases off the line of scrimmage. He's got a big release package. Um, and like you mentioned, I mean, way back, I think you comped him to most of the news. So uh, he's a very tough player. He's got a big body strong hands, 
very nifty route runner, very advanced as a receiver. And I think, you know, when you look at guys like Cooper Cup, you look at Robert Woods, it's it's eerily, uh, you know, how similar they are. They're all very similar players. They all create separation uh, and they're all, you know, very similar. And I think that's the kind of guy that, you know, Cooper Cup or that Sean McVay wants on the offense clearly at that receiver position. Awesome. Another good receiver for the Rams to have. That is just <laughs> uh, the over under is 44 and a half for this one. What do you, what's your score prediction, Kyle? I'm going over. I'm going my prediction for this game, 26, 20 McVay. Sosa. I think it's going to be under, I, I predicted earlier this week, it was going to be a 21, 10 for the Rams. So that's that I'll stick with that. I can see that. That's the the thing about this the 49ers, especially when you have a backup quarterback. You yep. they have they will have their their chances, their opportunities to score, move the ball. They're gonna have a third and three where they don't convert. That just makes no sense where Kyle calls an awful play. They're <laughs> going to have a third and seven that probably hits a receiver in the hands. They're gonna have a second and six where they probably score a touchdown and Mullins misses him. Like these things happen every game where they have an opportunity to score 20 but they end up in the teens. So that before 49ers hear that and get upset, there's a reason he's picking 10 points. <laughs> no, you're right. Like it's even in the Saints game, like you look and the and you if you just look at the final score and the box score, you're like, oh, the Saints handled them. The 49ers had no shot. But it's like, no, they absolutely did. Right. There's always that third and set. This is my worst nightmare. Third and seven, we gain six yards. Cause I know Love it's it. going to be fourth and one and I'm going to be screaming at my television for Kyle Shanahan to go for it. And he's going to run Mitch Wisnowski out onto that field. So damn fast. Like he can't wait to punt it. It's going to drive me freaking nuts. So yeah, I agree. Like I could see a 28, 10 game easily. And, but with the 49ers having every single opportunity to win, it's maddening. It drives me nuts. That, and that's the thing, right? So I think, uh, you know, when I when I mentioned earlier that it was going to be a close and, and physical game is that I think both teams are going to have success moving the ball. And I think the difference is going to come, you know, in that red zone. And that's where, you know, the Rams are really starting to clamp down. And in, in the second half, they're the sec- best second half defense. Uh, and I think, you know, the uh, the 49ers are going to have a lot of success moving the ball in terms of the running game and things like that. But uh, I don't know how much success they're going to have with punching it in the red zone and, and punching it in the end zone. And so, uh, that's kind of you know how I got to my twenty one ten prediction. I think it'll be close though. Well, Sosa, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. You can find him at Pro Football Focus. You can find him on the Locked On Rams podcast. And if they want to look you up on Twitter, how do they find you? Yeah, you can find me at QB's MVP. That's QBS MVP. And appreciate you guys for having me on, man. I had fun. Thanks for the time, Kyle. Joining us on a Friday. I appreciate it. Taking this time out of my very busy schedule on yes, Black I Friday. Know. Some football, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go eat some food. Yeah, it's about time. It's only the day after Thanksgiving. That's cool. So for Kyle Posey, Sosa Cremendous, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Go Niners, and hopefully we're talking about a, a win on Monday.